The AI Today podcast, produced by Cognolytica, cuts through the hype and noise to identify what is really happening now in the world of artificial intelligence. Learn about emerging AI trends, technologies, and use cases from Cognolytica analysts and guest experts. Hello, and welcome to the AI Today podcast. I'm your host, Kathleen Walsh. And I'm your host, Ronald Schmelzer. And, you know, thank you for joining us here at the AI Today podcast. We're actually now going strong in the 200s of episodes. So thank you for sticking with us this long. For many of you who have been listening to us for years since 2017, you know what the great thing about AI today is that you never run out of topics to talk about it, especially when you're talking about AI, like actually today, what's happening today. So um, in this particular episode, this is part of our interview series. Um, you know, we kind of on this a bit of a rotation. You know, we interview great experts that are focused in the field of AI and some of the work that they're doing in the emerging tech area and cognitive technologies. As you may have heard, we've also have our education series where we've been spending time going over some of our educational content that we do as part of our Cognolytica education subscription, giving you some of those insights, our great listeners. Because we know many of you listen to podcasts to become educated and inform about what's happening. So let's give you some real education. And then we also have um, some of our podcasts talk about some of our market intelligence. We spend a lot of our time looking at what's happening in the markets, looking looking at what's happening in terms of adoption trends. Um, the I have to say, uh, we are definitely seeing some changes in uh, adoption patterns for AI, uh, both uh, positive and negative. So stay tuned on some of those because we'll be talking about some of those, some of our survey results and some of the other insights we have from our market intelligence. So uh, again, you know, uh, just you know, if you haven't heard any of those episodes, go back. We've had some fantastic interviews: Colin Angle, the CEO of iRobot. Uh, you know, uh, Dr. Ben Gertzel. You know that that famous Sophia robot, and um, so many other interviews. You know, people from across the world. You know. Uh, talking about what they're doing from Australia, Norway, and uh, Spain, you know, all sorts of countries, of course, and all over here in the United States as well. So definitely uh, check out the full library of AI Today podcasts if you haven't already. Exactly. But we're so excited to have an interview with us today. So our guest today is Antonio Catronio, who's the director of technology. Technical Content Strategy at OmniSci. Hi, Antonio, and thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. We'd like to start by having you introduce yourself to our listeners and tell them a little bit about your background and your current role at OmniSci. Absolutely. Yeah. So as you said, my name is Antonio Catronio. It rhymes. That's super fun. Um, I am the uh, director of technical content strategy at OmniSci. And we sort of sit, my team sort of sits somewhere between um, marketing and solution engineering uh, within the org. And uh, we create a lot of technical content for uh, educating uh, new and prospective users of our technology, um, enabling those users that have have come on board um, and, and uh, building out whether it be blog posts or videos or uh, infographics, tutorials, you know, uh, sample to uh, like Jupyter uh, Lab notebooks uh, for people that are coming to um, to use our, our technology uh, and really just spread the word about about visual analytics and, and what OmniSide does uh, for for our users. Well, that's great. And I think uh, people are really interested in that. Maybe we could dig a little bit deeper, sorry, before we get into some of these yeah. other questions. I mean, maybe tell folks about OmniSide, because uh, it's not necessarily a household name. I know for folks who've been looking at right. data analytics, maybe they might be more familiar, but maybe you could talk a little bit about that and and some of the problems that, and, uh, that you guys have been trying to help solve. 
Yeah, absolutely. So OmniSci is a visual analytics uh, technology. So this is more, I would say, um, you know, a, a visual analytical um, capability for more modern data. I mean, I know we've like in the past, you've, you've seen kind of reporting and then, you know, that kind of wave of sort of dashboarding technology came into in, in place. But we're now seeing like with such large data sets and we'll, I'm, I'm sure we'll get into this, you know, throughout the rest of the conversation um, specifically around big data, but really what our, our technology um, provides people the ability to do is to be able to orient their, their big data um, so that they can actually use it in, in practical sense, um, be able to, to, to visualize it, to see the shape of that information and then be able to understand how that they can then apply that um, uh, to, to other problems or, or to, to, to push that information into machine learning or AI applications or to use it for geospatial analysis, which is, I would say, the, the two primary ways that uh, our users are using us today is both in a, in a geospatial context and in uh, a data science context. So, uh, and, you know, I, I think you asked a little bit about like my overall background, that's got the, the kind of geospatial capability is sort of where I started. Um, coming up through the GIS industry or the geographic information uh, systems in industry for those that aren't aware. And, uh, and that kind of led me into, you know, seeing some of the issues with uh, the current GIS uh, industry and, and really the, the pain point of not being able to actually use or visualize uh, much larger, larger data sets that, that were, um, you know, becoming more prevalent in the, in the, in the marketplace. And it's something like kind of the traditional GIS market has struggled to, to keep up with is like now that you you see data sets that are, you know, hundreds of millions and billions of rows with, within those data sets and still needing to be able to visualize them with the speed of curiosity is something that is has become a pretty pre prevalent problem. And a, a lot of those traditional tools just don't don't have that ability. And that's something that I think that we're, we're really uh, beginning to to find our, 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 our way in the in the market today. Oh yeah, absolutely. What, you know, we've actually seen such an uptick in interest. You know, obviously AI and machine learning has been an area of interest over the past decade, and of course that goes back many, many, many decades, right? But sure. but over the past, you know, even more recently, people have realized, especially honestly, the pandemic has really gotten organizations thinking about this need for like I'm not going to wait two or three months or weeks or even days to, to to put together some analysis when I have data literally streaming in, um, like on a on a very quick basis. I think that has caused a lot of people to pay a lot of attention, not just to data quantity, but to data quality. You know, that's something that we spend a lot of time going over in our Data for AI community. We, uh, you know, back in 2020, we actually had a whole five-day <laughs> conference focused just on these issues of the data side of AI. And even with five days, and I thought something like 122 sessions, that wasn't even enough. So we're like, okay, we have to just wow. continue. Yeah, we have to continue to come back to the subject of just dealing with the data side of AI. And that's why we have our Data for AI community. So for our listeners, uh, we have these regular events every month and, and sometimes even more than monthly, free, of course, to attend. You should go to dataaiconf.com and it'll sort of direct you into our Data for AI community. And our friends from OmniSci here are, are a big part of that community. Um, uh, and, and part of it partially because of this emphasis, not just data science, but also even just data engineering and big data analytics. So may, maybe this is actually the, the, the lead into the question here, which is like, you know, how have you seen the role of data and data analytics, especially big data analytics, evolve over just these past few years, you know, the past three to five years here at the various organizations that you have uh, visibility into? 
Yeah, that, that's a that's a really good question. I think the thing that I've seen um, the most is this shift, and it's something I've been I've been thinking about uh, quite a bit re- recently. Is like this shift from um, big data, machine learning, AI, advanced analytics, you know, visualization, however you want to describe it. I mean, it, it really I think permeates through each of those. Is is the idea of it moving from you know just kind of hardcore practitioners you know, from data scientists or um, AI practitioners to people, uh, knowledge workers. I mean, to be honest, I'm like myself, like people that um, uh, are, are beginning to have uh, uh, data, advanced analytics, uh, machine learning products, uh, inference um, begin to affect um, their day-to-day jobs, um, whether it be through new new tools that they they have available to them, um, or or being the uh, the beneficiaries of of you know downstream um, analytics that that they're able to use to inform their their decisions in their in their in their work lives, um, and to be honest, probably even even uh, in in our uh, in our personal lives too. But I think that's what I've seen the most over the last five years. Has been not just the um, you know the highly educated, highly skilled individual being able to take advantage of or take part in the in that process, but then also um, sort of the the general community beginning to take part in that process and and benefit from that. I think uh, kind of when I broke into the the GIS space um, just over probably over a decade ago, um, now it was it was a lot about you know seeing what happened or. Um, being able to, uh, you know, map the the current state of of something, you know, taking that that observation and just being able to to build out some type of visual or analytic that's that's going to describe that uh, to to better understand that situation. Now that's still important, and and in my opinion, will always be important. But it's it's taking taking that an, another step and being able to not only be able to observe and and orient that, but then be able to. Um, to to see the trajectory of of any of those phenomena, whether you know whether it be geospatial or something else, but um, I think those those are the bigger changes that I've I've seen um, recently. Is really the I don't know if you would call it like commodification or consumerization of of uh, machine learning AI, but but really just um, it, it beginning to impact a broader audience, and I think that's when we're really going to see it kind of penetrate the the marketplace in our daily lives even more. Yeah, you know, it's interesting too. I mean, it's always interesting to see how things evolve and then continue to evolve too. But if you're looking more broadly across industries, you know, I know that industries of all sorts are adopting artificial intelligence, but some are embracing it more than others. So what industries really are embracing adoption of AI and advanced data analytics Mm -hmm. compared to other industries? And then maybe can you share some examples about how the ones that have embraced it, how it's transforming their organization? I think the industries that are are embracing it the the most are the industries that really have embraced the these these waves of of uh, technological advancement uh, in the past. So I mean, we're seeing, for instance, um, you know, uh, the federal government, for instance, is is taking a, a large uh, a large role in this. You know, we've seen seen this obviously in the past and and currently with with the military, um, uh, as well as within, you know, fintech or, or pharmaceuticals, you know, I, I think, um, those, those industries that have, uh, traditionally pushed sort of the boundaries of our, of our current understanding of these concepts and, and, uh, begin to build like the, some like initial, uh, practical examples of how they can be used, um, in their respective fields. Um, though they're certainly obviously taking the charge, but then there's also some really, really great, um, 
examples of this in the auto manufacturing space, for instance, with, uh, um, you know, self-driving and autonomous, uh, autonomous and, and connected vehicles. Um, I think those are, um, that's, that's the space that's always interested me when I, when I, when I was working primarily just in geography, I was focusing on, on supply chain logistics and, and, uh, transportation. And so, um, seeing the, uh, Seeing the the automotive OEMs begin to really push into that into that space as well, and to incorporate that into their um, kind of R and D efforts and into their manufacturing practices, um, I find to be to be really fascinating. Whether it be with you know the automated um, uh, you know factory, or whether it be you know how it makes its way into the consumer consumer products that we actually are you know purchasing and using and driving. Um, and and how that communicates back to what you see with larger cities beginning to to incorporate with uh, you know the connected city autonomous city autonomous services uh, that um, um, you know that are popping up in, in you know your larger cities around the world um, cities that have um, you know independent or or uh, uh, in house um, data science AI teams that are that are that are pushing to to find those those barriers and kind of break through them. Um, so I think like today those are the I, I think the same the same organizations the same industries that that kind of pushed us um, uh, you know p- perhaps in the in the late nineties early two thousands um, are are still those same industries that are that are pushing us um, in in these new emerging spaces as well. Um, and and in, in terms of the ways that it's it's actually impacting uh, their organizations, um, I think in some of those places that's actually quite difficult to see, um, you know, because of uh, sort of the not only the the, the privacy of the individual uh, individuals and in their in their identification, but but also in sort of the secrecy of some of those of some of those organizations and and their their need to to keep some of those uh, those concepts uh, behind behind closed doors. I think once we see um, more and more of that begin to bleed into more commercial markets and we see that kind of end up in, in uh, more of a, the, con- the consumer uh, perspective is, is when we'll, re- we'll really see that kind of come through and begin to, f- to fully understand how it's impacting our lives on a day-to-day basis. Yeah. That's really interesting. Well, well, it is impacting our lives on a day-to-day basis. Yeah. So much of this, it is, and um, I think I think in a really interesting and good way. I, I uh, sort of it's interesting how the conversations have really shifted away from. Watch well, as it shifted away, but I, th- I think sort of like the balance. You know, back in the day, it was all about building applications, deploying applications. You know, uh, getting things up on the cloud, or you know, building, building, building. Right? You know. But um, people have realized the value of, of data as its, as its own entity. Yes. And to some extent, actually, how much data is actually more important than the code. Sometimes I tell people, stop building more code. Because every time you introduce a new feature, you're breaking 10 other things. Um, this is a whole other separate conversation. But sometimes <laughs> I'm like, your apps are not getting better. They're kind of getting worse. So just stop with the functionality and focus on making the data more valuable or, or driving more insights from data, right? So... Um, you know, may, maybe to some of that point, um, you know, how do you see, you know, this new area of advanced analytics, which of course, you know, AI and machine learning is part of this overall trend of deriving more insights fr- from data and finding the patterns and applying some of these things that lessen the cognitive load on the human, right? So how do, how do you see this advancing over the next few years, especially with the use of machine learning and some of these techniques? 
I, this is this I, I we can kind of call back to where we we were just a few, a few minutes ago. I think the the way that this is going to to really transpire over the over the next few years is how you know we are going to be using um, AI and machine learning products um, in our in our day to day lives um, uh, and and more from a uh, you know, personal and to your point previously, you know, and from the human perspective, I think, you know, as as the um, sort of the barriers between seeing like this, oh, like kind of a, a futuristic or, um, you know, utopian or dystopian view of uh, of of AI, I think it's going to be more subtle, uh, subtle ways that AI and machine learning are impacting um, our, our day-to-day lives and the way that, that we actually use it. I mean, I, th- I think, for instance, even, even about the, the ways that, um, you know, these services are, are used in the fintech space and, and in a lot of ways, whether it's, you know, to, to you know, predict or infer, you know, um, you know, whether an individual is going to default on a, on a mortgage and like whether or not they're going to, you know, qualify for, for that for that loan. I mean, that's, that's something that's impacting. And I, that's a very simple example, but um, that's something that's impacting, you know, an individual every, every single day, you know, multiple times a day um, as, as an example of, of a machine uh, learning product, you know, that may be within an application that you can just go in and see if I qualify for this, this, um, you know, and then there's, you know, obviously the more cognitive uh, machine learning aspects to, you know, uh, assistance that we have on our, on our phones. But I think that um, that sort of, continuing to become more apparent and um and present in our day-to-day lives um is is how advanced analytics are going to um are going to be more present for us um just every every single day like we see it obviously at, at OmniSci from a perspective of like, okay, we have this technology. We 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 perform visual analytics. We allow people to visualize massive data that they perhaps just haven't been able to see in one place at any given time and be a part of like um, this larger ecosystem of tools that contributes to, to machine learning and, and uh, artificial intelligence. Um, so we see a lot of a uh, lot of you know widespread use cases, uh, whether you know be you know predicting. Um, you know, uh, kind of flooding in specific areas and, and the number of, of perhaps uh, potential impacted individuals uh, w- within a, within a specific area and how that breaks down. Um, but like, I, I think when we see, when we think about like how this is going to change over the next few years, it's again, kind of getting back to that idea of like less and less of the um, kind of deep technical worker being the individual that's that's interfacing and building and interacting with with um, these whether they be solutions or services or applications whatever that may be to being you know the the human uh, the the that's just kind of day-to-day human like uh, who's who's um, being not only impacted but being able to use um, AI machine learning to to accomplish tasks that that perhaps they weren't able to accomplish in the, in uh, in the past. Um, you know, I've been th- I've been been getting hit with um, you know pre-show. We were kind of talking a little bit about some some uh, YouTube. You know, for instance, well, I, I've been getting hit with these YouTube ads for Grammarly all the time. You know, and that's a that's an AI and machine learning product. You know, that that is essentially doing speak uh, uh, you know text recognition and, and and providing recommendations on on the best way to communicate your message to your audience, right? Um, and that's just a simple way that that's a, that that that's impacting my my day to day gig doing some technical writing, you know. And and that's um, I think that's where those subtle ways that we we see it uh, begin to kind of penetrate into our in, into the day to day. 
Yeah, you know, it's so interesting because I think that with technology, this transformative technology, it really has impacts on people's lives. But sometimes it's these small things and it's, you know, it touches us in very small ways on a daily basis. And I think that we just, it becomes so you know, second nature to us that we don't even realize that it's artificial intelligence, machine learning, these cognitive technologies anymore. And we take it for granted. So, you know, it's it's always interesting to see how technology has impacted us and how it will continue to impact us moving forward. And sometimes it's easy to see, and sometimes those those changes may not be as easy to see. So that leads me into my last question. And we always like to ask this of our guests because we get such varied answers. As a final note, what do you believe the future of AI is in general and its application to organizations and beyond? I, um, wow, that's, that, is, um, that is a large question. I, I would, I'm going to have to go back and listen to some of the, the other uh, interviewees after. after. I'm, I'm kind of interested in some of their answers. <laughs> it's a I think, very wide range, let me tell you. <laughs> Uh, I actually, I actually have, and this, again, I don't, I don't mean to keep going back to this, but, uh, I think it's the future of, of AI, um, especially in, in whether it be in applications in general within, you know, the business world or, or our day-to-day lives is, is when we don't, we're not even going to notice that it's there and that, and that it is, and that systems and, you know, governments, uh, financial organizations, all of these different um, components of our culture um, are going to be, in some ways, functioning off of of AI and, and machine learning in ways that uh, we're not even going to notice, and that we're going to continue to sort of um, sink into that pool, you know. And um, and and uh, I mean, we're already there, as you mentioned before, right? These are things that are happening. Uh, it's it's happening now. There are many ways, and to be honest, I would think that most people don't even understand the ways that that AI and machine learning are affecting their lives today. And I think uh, in the in the near and, and distant future that that's only going to to continue to meld um, with with one another in into ways that we won't even fully we perhaps aren't even going to label it as such um, as as it you know distinguishing between the two of you know our day-to-day lives and then oh and then there's this thing this AI over here you know um, that the that the two are are essentially going going to um, be married in in many ways um, and I, I think for me that that brings up the one of the things I think that we need to be focusing on um, as a as a culture as technologists um, you know and and people that are in this space is is continuing to push for broader um, research and critical thought around uh, AI and ethics. I think it's, for me, it's it's probably the most important thing right now. I think, you know, there are plenty of people working on the actual technical problems and way to solve them, building more efficient um, algorithms, building better models, um, you know, and obviously, as we've discussed, there's uh, <laughs> There's there's no uh, absence of data. There's plenty of it, and in fact, it's spilling over the the edges. Um, you know, there's uh, I, I think it was kind of coined in the in the '90s, but it was like you know, data data rich, information poor. I think is is basically where we all find ourselves these days. We're bombarded by um, by data. Um, 
But I think here in the in the near future, and, and to be honest, I, we need to be focusing on this now. Is is in general is is um, the ethics of how we are leveraging AI. Um, I mean, we've already seen our own biases and and our own um, prejudices and 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 many of the things that that uh, we deal with in in our uh, in our day to day culture bleed into the um, you know artificial intelligence that we're developing. Right. I mean, we've we've seen that already with you know. Um, uh, you know, facial recognition, for instance, uh, having difficult, more difficult times with with um, specific um, people, uh, and and I think focusing heavily in here in the near future, um, so that we can set up a more um, you know equitable and uh, I think more just use of of AI in the distant future, uh, and that work starts today. Because uh, I think that's you know if we're kind of thinking about the overall future of AI, that's I think that's a concern of mine is is that it it it's not um, it's not benefiting everybody. Um, so uh, not not to, not to be somber on that on that point. <laughs> I know that was the last question. No, no. But that, I, I do think that that um, ethical research and study and um, and critical thinking um, is is something that we we really need to to, f- to focus on and, and how we're going to apply this to make a better world um, uh, for for ourselves and those that come after us. Well, excellent. Yeah, we spent a lot of time looking at that. I know that one of the things that we did at Cognolytica, and we shared this on a podcast and in a webinar, is we reviewed all these ethical AI frameworks because there there are many. There are about right. I think we counted something like sixty yeah. to sixty five issued. By government agencies, by nonprofits, by multi multiple corporations, by you know standards organizations and industry groups, and the interesting thing is that there's that one thing we noticed at Cognolytica is that there's no uh, sort of like there's no good overlap. Like some of the ethical framers would talk about one aspect of ethics. Of course, everybody talks about fairness and bias and dignity to some extent. But there's like so many other aspects of doing AI in a responsible way, which is like, is anybody going to provide consent to use AI systems mm. or disclosure of when AI systems are being used? A contestability, can I contest results from an algorithmic decision-making? Uh, you know, uh, aspects of interpretability and explainability, AI governance, who's in charge? Do I even know who's in charge? If I have a problem, can I ask about it? That's a whole episode, by the way, AI Today podcast listeners. You should go back and listen to it because we talk about it. And one of the things we realize is like there isn't a good ethical AI framework. So we kind of just put one together. And it wasn't that, you know, we're like ethicists or particularly that much smarter than anybody on this. We just basically took all these little pieces from all these little frameworks and we just pulled them all together. And we and we rationalized the text. So the reason why I mention all that, and I'm, and it's interesting that your response about AI has to do with about an equitable future and making sure that, you know, AI systems don't benefit just a few people, is I think that's a very legitimate concern. This kind of goes back to the whole conversation we've been having here on data, because there's been a lot of concern about, even without AI and machine learning, just too much data in the hands of too few, mm-hmm. and how they use that data. You were talking a little bit about we're talking Google and YouTube and Facebook and Amazon and all these companies. And um, you know, I mean, have you seen anything from your customers? Or has anybody uh, approached you with like any sort of uncomfort and saying, "Hmm, you know, should I? Sh- is it right to be doing these kind of analyses on big data? You know, personal information and maybe the impacts of of, of algorithms on on people's lives and things like that." This that's a great question, and yeah, the answer is yes. We we have we have worked with 
with organizations that, you know, maybe they're looking for specific types of, of data. You know, there are many different data providers out there that are harvesting information, right? And that, that can get kind of sticky. And, and so I think, you know, when, when we think about it, it's about choosing uh, data partners that, that are, are um, uh, kind of curating data sets um, that are that are doing it in 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 ethical ways and and are thinking about and you know critically thinking about these things. So we have in the past um, you know walked away from certain situations that you know perhaps made us feel uncomfortable um, or you know the the prospect or customer that that we may be working on with um, you know perhaps they they felt like that 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 particular data set for instance you know you know maybe maybe that's not the best place for us to uh, best to. Uh, place for us to be. You know, I've seen in the in the news um, over the last year or so, like there have been some data sets uh, and data providers that have come under fire specifically for you know the way that they they have harvested their information um, and and bringing up your your last point about you know perhaps consent over over whether or not that information sh- should be uh, should be harvested or, or just making it easier for people to take part in that process. You know, like did you know may, maybe they uh, you know that was the at the end of a terms and conditions that somebody you know accepted. You know, there's making it more uh, you know visible and easy for people to to actually um, you know opt out of specific things. I know that there, you know, the, that's happened with GDPR in Europe over, over the last five years and has happened with some legislation here in the States in recent time. But um, no, we, we absolutely think about that. Um, we want to, we want to work with data providers um, that, that are, are, uh, are generating and curating data sets that, uh, that, that obviously represent whether it be some geographic phenomena or um, demographic information um, or, or some other uh, data point, we want to work with with those um, that uh, are obviously producing quality quality data, but also data that uh, is is um, is ethical and equitable, and 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 provides a a good picture of the of of the world and something that we can actually use for for good analytics. Well, great. That's good to hear. So, um, you know, and Antonio, thank you so much. This was a really incredible podcast. You got to share a lot of insights um, and hopefully our listeners learned something from this. So thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. This was a lot of fun. Great. Um, We enjoyed it too. It was a lot of fun for us. So listeners, I hope that it was fun for you and you enjoyed listening to this podcast as well. As always, make sure to rate us on iTunes, Google, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. We love to hear from you and we, uh, you know, love to, to see what you have to say. Additionally, please do make sure to check out the Data for AI community. We said that OmniSci was a big supporter of that and we have some incredible content up there. We have monthly featured presenters. So make sure to check that out, dataaiconf.com. That's dataaiconf.com. And you can check out um, all of the past content that we have. So all of the uh, you know virtual sessions that we have are recorded and available for replay, which is a benefit of virtual life. And then we have additional ones coming up as well. So as Ron mentioned earlier, they're free. Make sure to check them out and you can sign up right on the site. So thanks for listening and we'll catch you at the next podcast. And that's a wrap for today. To download this episode, find additional episodes and transcripts, subscribe to our newsletter and more, please visit our website at cognolitica.com. Join the discussion in between podcasts on the AI Today Facebook group. And make sure to join the Cognolytica Facebook page for updates on this and future podcasts. Also subscribe to our podcast in iTunes, Google Play, and elsewhere to get notified of future episodes.
Want to support this podcast and get your message out to our listeners? Then become a sponsor. We offer significant benefits for AI Today sponsors, including promotion in the podcast and landing page, and opportunities to be a guest on the AI Today show. For more information on sponsorship, visit the Cognolytica website and click on the podcast link. This sound recording and its contents is copyright by Cognolytica. All rights reserved. Music by Matsu Gravas. As always, thanks for listening to AI Today, and we'll catch you at the next podcast. Bye.